Hey everybody, this is Jake Brown. Just a quick little introduction here. I had some weird issues with my microphone on this episode, so I apologize for the fact that I sound like the Hulk. Not intentional. I promise you that we will try and get that fixed before the next episode. But I would encourage you to listen to this episode and power through the weird pops and pitching that happens because I feel like Trevor and I had a really good conversation about searching this week that I would really encourage you guys to listen to. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those movies that makes you have a lot of thoughts about your life. And if you are interested in hearing our conversation about it, please power through the weirdness of my vocals. We will see you next week with another review. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. And this week we'll be doing a review of the new film Searching starring John Cho about a desperate father who breaks into his daughter's laptop to look for her after she goes missing. Uh, before we get to our review, we got a couple things to get to. We're going to do a recap of our, of our summer box office bet, kind of a final tally Uh, as we kick into the fall season as well as a recap just kind of of the summer movie season we got some uh, news to get to uh, mainly stuff from Toronto International Film Festival and some early reviews of some uh, award season films Uh, and then as always we'll end with our content of the week so let's go ahead and get into oh well I guess I'm Cameron Slanina and I'm with my (laughs) co-host Jake Brown Trevor Allison Hello. Hello. This is I not assume a one-man podcast. If this isn't like Colin Coward. <laughs> We've talked about doing it before. Um, I would love it though if, like, one time we did a segmented podcast, like an anthology podcast, where like Jake records a section, and then it's like 15 <laughs> minutes of Trevor doing the, it. And yeah. Then we, should we should. We should pick. Is Infinity War the yeah. best movie of the summer? I don't know. Yeah. Call in right. now. We'll find out. <laughs> we should pick a movie that we've all seen like 10 times and just do 15 minutes each on it. That would be awesome. Yeah. It's not as hard as you think. Like there are multiple times where I'll go back and look at like the sound waveform of the episode and be like, wow, I talked for 10 minutes straight right there. Uh, <laughs> so apparently it's not as hard as you think. Maybe Colin Coward's job is a lot easier. Earlier this summer, we did a fantasy football s draft but with the summer box office and so we we did a draft where you know trevor had the first pick he picked a movie jake had the second pick he picked a movie and we went all the way down until we each had five movies um trevor's list of movies that he picked includes avengers infinity war mission impossible fallout ant-man and the wasp the first purge and christopher robin Jake's uh, picks are Deadpool 2, Solo, A Star Wars Story, Ocean's 8, Skyscraper, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and then my movies are Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, The Incredibles 2, Hotel Transylvania 3, Uncle Drew, and Tag. And the por- so purpose what was of- that? Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia what? How does that go? It goes, uh, uh, Mamma Mia, <laughs> Here We Go Again. Mama. Oh yes, yes, I'm familiar with that film. Okay, okay. yeah, no, I just I didn't know if you were a big ABBA fan like myself or not. Um, I'm very excited for their upcoming concert at Choctaw Casinos in Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the venue, right? That is it's the, the venue, only place to see the them. premier North Texas venue. The purpose of the bet, though, was whoever won got to choose a film for the other two to 
watch within the coming month. And then at some point in the future episodes, we would talk about that film a little bit. Uh, so that being said, in third place, Jake finished with eight million five hundred and sixty million, and your boy. It really just comes down to the fact that Deadpool two didn't do as well, and Solo, a Star Wars story, completely bombed. Man, what is wrong yeah. with people? Solo was a ton of fun. Yeah, shame on all fun. of you guys. Oh, and Skyscraper, completely tanked. Yeah, Mamma Mia. Yeah, that didn't do well for anybody. But Mamma Mia was a good like. I think if you take out the top movie of all four of ours and then average the other four together, I think Jake has the highest, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because uh, Jake had Ocean's Eight and Mamma Mia. Here we go again, which both kind of surprisingly did well. But uh, Solo: A Star Wars Story was what kind of hurt Jake. Um, that yeah. being said, if Jake was a movie executive he would have made $200 million on these movies. So I'll take it. That's pretty good. We'll take that. Um, Trevor last episode, Trevor and myself finished in a very, very close race. I didn't think it was going to be close, but mission impossible fallout put up some very big numbers Mm. and that made things a lot closer than I thought. So, uh, one of us finished with, 1.225 1.225 billion and another finished with 1.275 billion Ooh. so 50 million splitting us uh and the winner was myself oh. uh, ah. so i know everybody was rooting against me um <laughs> unfortunately trevor christopher robin did not perform Christopher Robin had a budget of $133 million and only made $87 million against it. Based on the trailer, it looked like a lot of that money was on the visual effects. Yes. It looked expensive. Yeah, it looked expensive. It looks good, and I've heard good things about it, but uh, unfortunately underperformed at the box office. So, um, you know, Avengers Infinity War, Trevor, the film of the summer, unfortunately... Uh, Incredibles 2 decided to put up some big numbers, and that is luckily what saved. Yeah, that me. was that was kind of crazy. Some, I was surprised about some it. incredible. Oh, we've got some puns coming later in the podcast. Just wait until we get to our <laughs> Toronto International Film Festival stuff. Oh, can't wait. So, with that, if Trevor had picked the Meg or Crazy Rich Asians instead of the first Purge, he would have won. See, I, feel I don't like think anybody expected Megan to have the summer she had. No. Yeah. Megan's doing I big mean, things, and I'm proud of Megan. I mean, she's she is what she is. She's a big girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. And I mean that in terms of like her clout that she deserves. So oh, okay, cool. Her clout, her clout score. score. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, through the roof. Yeah. She's getting Where's invited IMAX, to all these so. like movie premieres and whatnot, so she can tweet about them. Good. Good. So good for Megan. Good for her. Um, so that being said, the movie, there's two, I, w- I want to kind of explain my logic here. There are two routes I could have gone. I could have gone the, you guys now have to watch uh, Transformers the last night. And, no, don't uh, do it to me. I already did it. Yeah. And I, I didn't feel like I wanted to promote a movie that I felt great about and that I loved and that I really wanted you guys to check out. So I decided to go with the movie that I love and that I felt like you guys would hopefully like. Uh, And for that reason, I chose the easily accessible Netflix film, Set It Up, starring uh, 
Um, the amazing Glenn Powell, who I have talked about nonstop so far. And then also Zoe Dutch, who is the daughter of Back to the Future's Leah Thompson. And she is incredible oh, cool. in that. So yeah. uh, sometime in the next month, you guys need to watch that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit because it's a very enjoyable romantic comedy. Cam, I was ninety five. Per- I was ninety five percent sure that you were gonna say Avatar just then. Oh, I thought you were gonna. God. I thought you were gonna punk us with that lead in and then <sighs> make us watch Avatar. Thank you. Oh Thank man. You. Thank you, Navi Jesus, for <laughs> not making us watch Avatar. Awa, it, her uh, name's Awa, Jake. Thank and you. Yes, Ewa. I do remember that. So Ugh. there is people who out here representing the Navi. Okay, you're welcome, oh, James man. Cameron. Um, okay. <laughs> This summer seemed to be a fairly successful summer. When you look at the overall like scope of the summer, there were a lot of good movies that came out this summer. More than most. Last summer was pretty rough. Uh, but this summer, I, I was pleasantly surprised by the movies overall. There was a lot of, there was like good big films. There was good indie films. There's kind of a little bit of everything. Uh, so what was the best movie of the summer? You know, speaking summer We'll call it the last weekend of April if you want to include Avengers Infinity War to the last weekend of August. What what was the best movie in that time slot for you guys? Let's start with you, Trevor. This isn't my the best movie, but I do want to give a special shout out to Mission Impossible Fallout, which was just awesome in every way, um, especially in IMAX. I would I could go see that movie I think every day for the next week and it would be awesome. But um, <laughs> the the best movie that I saw this summer was Sorry to Bother You. It was oh wow wow. It was just something unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was this mismatch of genres and commentary that was just wonderful and refreshing. And in the age of sequels, prequels. Reboot quills and the like. <laughs> um, this was something 100% original, 102% mm-hmm. original, and maybe a little too original. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. And it just—it's well acted. I mean, we talked about—we we did a whole podcast on it, so it's not a perfect movie, but and it's not my favorite movie of the year necessarily. But the thing from this summer that really sticks out to me is "Sorry to Bother You." Wow, cool. Huh. All right, Jake. Um, yeah, for me, I actually have it as the, the opposite, the flip, uh, for me, the best movie is mission impossible fallout. I think that is the best summer movie we've gotten in a while. And when I think of a summer movie, I think of, I go into the theater for two hours and I am, uh, wildly entertained and I see things I've never seen before. And it's a fun, lighthearted adventure movie that just makes me smile. Um, and it was Mission Impossible Fallout. Tom Cruise brings it again. Um, it's arguably the best of the series. And uh, yeah, I mean, the the numbers at the box office are that good for a reason because that movie is that good. Uh, Sorry to Bother You is fantastic. And I definitely think it surprised both me and Trevor. And I would highly recommend uh, listening to our episode on it because it is is an interesting film um, and for that reason it's it's the movie that most surprised me this summer because there's nothing else like it and the trailer is only the first 20 minutes of the film and so for the for the next hour and a half you are very surprised <laughs> it's not yeah even, um, it's not even the same genre that you think it's going to be no no it's totally different 
totally different. I'm going to agree with Jake here in that Mission Impossible was the best movie I saw this summer. There's a lot of things to like about Infinity War, but the more I think about it and sit with it, the more that it still feels like half of a movie. Because uh, so it is. It, yeah, it, it is. is. And, by, and by design, it delivered as much as it could, but it just... I think until 4 comes out, it's 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 hard to feel completed. Uh, I will say I rewatched it on the plane on my way back from my job in Ukraine. And uh, for it being two and a half hours and as much as it happens, it is it is fantastically made. Yeah. I, I highly recommend everybody rewatch it if you can. Just the fact that that movie works at all is ridiculous. I'm nervous to see what they're going to do with reshoots. I'm nervous that Disney is going to make the Guardians less important in Avengers 4 mm. after everything yeah. that's happened with James Gunn. I really hope that doesn't happen because there's such an important part to that series, but I'm just kind of nervous. There's, I know there's reshoots going on, which is a normal thing for Marvel to do. They shoot, they edit, and then they decide what to do, and then they go back and reshoot them some things to make the film um, as good as it can be. And it's nerve-wracking to think uh, about what might happen after the fallout of this whole James Gunn thing. so uh, But if, if, if we're talking the most surprised movie of the summer, for me it's 8th grade. If you had told me that uh, Bo Burnham's directing a movie about a middle school girl and that it would be one of the most heartfelt movies and funny movies and a movie that would make me cringe more than anything, I would tell you that you're wrong. But this movie delivers on all fronts for me and it's uh, it's so good. I can't recommend it enough high schoolers, middle schoolers, parents. I think it speaks to everybody. So uh, eighth grade was the most surprising movie of the summer for me. Trevor, what about you? Yeah. Sorry to bother you was also the most surprising movie (laughs) of the summer to me (laughs) for reasons that I already gave. I mean, I was also surprised. I mean, I I mean, before the hype that we started getting about a week before it, it really, how good the mission impossible was. Um, We're six movies into this thing. Um, we've almost flipped over the whole cast except for Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames. And it just still is the gold standard in the modern action film. It's, mm-hmm. this is, it's, it's everything. Like you said, Jake, it's everything that you go to the movies for is, is this movie. Oh man. Mm-hmm. I wish that I could, I wish that I could just like watch it on IMAX whenever I wanted to. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah, someday when we are billionaires from this podcast and we have IMAXs in our own <laughs> homes, that will be on We're repeat. Gonna, the one in my home is going gonna to be all six Mission Impossible movies back-to-back on a loop. So mm. just jump in whenever you have a few minutes. Check it out. You know, it <laughs> Except for the second one. Or are you going to put the second one in there? You know, sometimes you have to you have to know the bad parts of life to know how good the good parts of mm. life are. That's wise. Mm, wow. Now, wow. I didn't know this was a sermon, but wow. <laughs> now, Trevor, I have a question for you. So you've already listed as Sorry to Bother You for the two questions that I had earlier. Is Sorry to Bother You the movie that disappointed you the most this summer as well? It is not. Okay. Um, there really weren't too many disappointments for me this summer. Thank goodness. I think part of that is it's been a good summer overall, and I think we've chosen wisely the movies that we've seen. Um, the most disappointing movie for me was was Sicario: Day of the Soldado, and it's yep. it's just this like <laughs> hyper violent mess that's that's got the performances of the original, but is missing the 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 keen eye of Denis Villeneuve and Roger Deakins, and 
and in the the soul of Sicario is completely missing from Day of the Soldado, and and it was just it was just it, I felt it made me sad because I think Sicario is one of the great movies of the past few years, and this just even though Taylor Sheridan was writing it, I don't know if I don't know if he told all of his good stories. I certainly hope not, um, because I think he's got some great stories to tell or has told great stories, but it just didn't have what I was expecting from it. Yeah, based on the reviews of Yellowstone, his TV show with Kevin Costner, I'm a little bit worried that he has told his good stories because reviews of that are not great. Um, yeah, Sicario is my disappointing movie of the summer too. It never delivers anything as good as, like there's not even moments that are as good as the original film. Um, and Trevor, you didn't mention, but you know, Emily Blunt for me is one of the best parts of that movie. And Uh, this movie is completely, they try and, you know, take her moral center that she delivers from that first movie and replace it with, uh, the new, uh, girl that, uh, Isabella. And it just, it, it never completely works the same way. So this movie misses Emily Blunt quite a bit. Uh, and it was a huge disappointment for me. Jake, were there any movies that disappointed you this summer? Yeah, I think for me, the one that was the biggest disappointment wasn't so much of a surprise, um, but it was Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. I mean, this this franchise is just such a disappointment to me. I, I had some hopes just because of, you know, new director, uh, different genre. Um, honestly, Jurassic Kingdom or whatever the Jurassic, first one is. I Jurassic don't know. World is the first one. Jurassic World. Hey, oh, there it is. Um, was such a disappointment to me that I really had low hopes for this, but just the fact that it didn't even meet my low expectations was pretty frustrating, and it's just sad to see something as iconic and as important as Jurassic Park be kind of pulled through the studio summer reboot bullcrap that's happening <laughs> right now, so... Yeah, it's it's a bummer, and um, hopefully the next one's better. But I have my doubts. Well, I mean they they just need to go all out on it, embrace the craziness, and it might be okay. I think where they left mm-hmm. the movie is a good place. I think that yeah. like there's an interest, but the frustrating thing is where they left this movie is t- technically where the movie should have been after Lost World, which is the second film. Right. Like it's taken three films to get back to where we should have been after that. So, oh well. Um, yeah, that's all we have for the summer of 2018 um, wrap up. It's been a good summer. We're looking forward to the fall. There's pretty much a good movie every single week starting, or hopefully at least an exciting movie, uh, starting on the 14th with Predator. So, this was the second biggest summer ever. At the box office. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I wouldn't have... I thought the tickets were... I would be curious to find out how much of that is due to MoviePass. Because MoviePass worked <laughs> for a good three months of the summer. Oh. It did work in the summer. It did work. Uh, but it doesn't work now. And now you either have to do AMC Stubs or whatever it's called, A+. plus, Or Yo. there's a new thing called Cinema. Spelled S I N E M A. So, um, that's supposed <laughs> to be. Like is it else. for like porn? <laughs> <or something? laughs> no, 
no. I would no, read. No. I would. Uh, I would definitely do my homework before I signed up. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's all we have for our wrap up of the summer eighteen. I think this is the third time I've said that. Uh, <laughs> ADD. There we go. Uh, let's go ahead and get into some news for the past week. And the big thing that's been going on the past week is that the Toronto International Film Festival has been ha- has been happening. And for those of you who don't know, the Toronto International Film Festival is kind of the one that kicks off the fall festivals. It's the big festival where some films in the past have kicked off their Oscar campaigns. And it's definitely a place to get start getting the buzz out about your movie. We talked last week a little bit about The First Man starring Ryan Gosling. That's already premiered. Uh, it's already done gotten amazing reviews it already has controversies around it that are um false to say the least and uh ill-informed at best so that's interesting uh we'll we'll have to see if that affects its box office or its uh academy awards run but who knows uh okay so there's really five films that have kind of come out and had news from toronto national film festival I'm going to I'm going to kind of go through them one by one and we'll give our quick thoughts. So The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is the new Coen Brothers film. It's an anthology film and the reviews have kind of said that it's very funny, but as an anthology there are some parts that don't work. Is this I'm kind of worried like the Coen Brothers haven't really churned. Well, I guess Inside You and Davis was two films ago. Um but I don't, did you guys ever see Hail Caesar? No, I didn't. I didn't, but I've heard good things about it. So it's a, oh, and Suburbicon that was the other one they wrote that. Mm. Um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs was originally supposed to be a Netflix TV show with a new story every episode. Apparently, Netflix was unhappy with it, and so they ended up re-editing it into a movie, and then now it's playing on the circuit uh, for fall festivals. Are you guys excited for this movie? I mean, we haven't really heard much about it. I know. Uh, uh, you know. I mean, it's not really a recipe for success normally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. It. I will say the Coen Brothers have enough goodwill to where I'm intrigued uh, by anything with their name on it. But like you said, they haven't really done anything noteworthy in a while. So, you know, if I if I have some free time when it comes out, maybe I'll watch it. If I don't, I probably won't. Yeah. Honorable Mensch. Very first class. Yeah. Class number one. Next up is The Front Runner starring Hugh Jackman, which is about a failed Oscar campaign from, I think, the 90s. Um, I read a little bit about it. I'm, I'm, I don't want to re- I didn't want to read too much because I didn't want to know the true story until after. Oh, 1988, a Democratic presidential campaign. Uh, it The trailer that came out this past week looks pretty good. And the buzz is that Hugh Jackman, it's one of his best performances, even if the movie is kind of just if so. Are you guys fans of Hugh Jackman? We've never really talked about him on this podcast. I love me some Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's he's this sort of interesting creature in that he does very well in theater musical theater type roles but also was born to play wolverine Mm. he's just so charming and so attractive (laughs) and uh yeah i mean i I think he's super talented i definitely believe that he was born to play wolverine and if you watch logan you will 100 percent agree with that yeah um yeah i i'm a fan of hugh jackman i root for him um 
I haven't seen Greatest Showman, and anytime I tell that to somebody, they're like, Oh my god, you haven't seen the best film ever made? Um, <laughs> it's. I would put so. it in the same category as like Pitch Perfect, in that don't go See, in that's it what expecting... people said when Pitch Perfect came out. <laughs> Seriously. Wait, have you guys have you guys seen the video of Anna Kendrick in the kitchen singing the cup song? Ugh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That ends the podcast yeah, I'm, for the night. I'm intrigued. Um, we hope I'm, that you've I'm liked in- this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued by the front runner with Hugh Jackman. I also I also like Jason Reitman a lot. I think that he's made some of the more interesting films of the past 10 or 15 years. He's also had a slew of kind of lower end films. I mean, starting with young adult, it's young adult labor day, men, women, and children, uh, Tully, which came out this year. And yeah, I haven't seen Tully yet. I, I, yeah. Young adult was, was fine. Um, I think that Juno and up in the air are two of the better movies I've seen in my life. Um, right. they're both fantastic. Um, so I'm always willing to give him a chance cause I know what he, we know what he can do. Yeah. So, Next up is Suspiria, the new film from Luca Guadagnino. I always pronounce his name wrong. And it's a remake. It's supposed to be horrifying. Is that a word, horrifying? Yeah. That sounded right in my head, and now it sounds... It's like when you say a word out loud, and then you're just like, that's not right. Um, the reviews have said that it's going to be this year's Mother, which was the film last year by Darren Aronofsky starring uh, Jennifer Lawrence and if you're the producer of that film and that review comes out you're like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's one of those films that people are like you're either going to love it and say that it's an artistic masterpiece or you're going to be like this is silly and awful and that's not at all what i expected (laughs) yeah i watched the trailer for this and i can't i'm not gonna see or talk about this movie anymore yeah (laughs) it's supposedly it's not as 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 terrifying as the trailer makes it look that's they're saying that it's not as scary as you would think from the trailer it kind of it kind of looks like the slasher version of black swan mm. i'm in i love black swan i'm one of the weirdos <laughs> I, mean, I love black swan too but it was i couldn't do any more of that than that like <laughs> yeah i don't <laughs> Tilda Swinton's that interesting person that you never know what you're going to get from her. You're always just kind of like, I don't even know if I like if Tilda Swinton knows who Tilda Swinton is. I think that she transforms (laughs) into so many roles that she's, she's great at all of them too. I mean, don't get me wrong, but she's always an interesting addition to a cast. Um, Okay. The two big ones that have been getting the most buzz uh, starting, I guess, with the more popular one would be A Star is Born, the directorial debut from Bradley Cooper. And people have been going gaga for this one. hey Oh. I did it. Uh, so the reviews Guys. have been saying that it's really as good as it's been hyped up. There's There was reviews early on that it was a masterpiece. And the first official screenings have said that it's as good as people are saying it is and that Lady Gaga is like amazing in this role. So this is my favorite trailer. This is my favorite trailer of the year. The trailer it's, is so yeah. good. I've it's seen really it like trailer. six or seven times and it's fantastic. And every time you just look at Bradley Cooper's 
sunburnt face as he says, oh, oh, I just want to look at you one more time. Oh, and you cringe, it's right? So so good. And <laughs> I think the music seems like it's going to be good. Okay, I'm, so get this. The official CD has 19 songs and 15 dialogue tracks. Oh, no. <laughs> Why are, we, are they trying to get the spoken word Grammys too? I see what you're doing here. They are trying to, what the purpose is, is to reflect as much as a feeling of watching the movie as possible just by listening to the CD. No, this if I wanted to watch the movie, Hamilton. I'd watch the movie. <laughs> Also, Bradley Cooper's writing raps about uh, 1,800 presidents. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I anytime I like listen to a hip-hop album and it's like 17 skits, I'm like, why? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. We don't yeah, need Kevin that. Hart on here, Kendrick Lamar. That's what your, that's what your YouTube channel's for. Look, that stuff Kendrick can do whatever he wants. Except for skits. <laughs> Except for skits. <laughs> no one can do skits in my book. I didn't know that Jake hated skits this much. They're so pointless. Are there people out there that like skits? I completely agree. I can't stand skits. I don't even like people that like skits. <laughs> Ooh. Yikes. So Trevor, Margot grows up, and she's like, Dad, I love skits. You kick My her out? My favorite part of every mixtape is when they stop rapping and just talk about stupid crap. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Um, last but not least is Roma. The new film from Alfonso Cuaron, director of Gravity, Children of Men, and the best Harry Potter film, uh, the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. Oh, don't we're not going to get into this today. We don't need <laughs> oh, to. We need oh, to do we, a Harry Potter blowout someday. Oh, we are doing a Harry Potter full-on review later this fall before Fantastic Beast Two comes out. So get ready right, for that, yeah. guys. Whew, that's going to um, be a three-hour episode. Oh, it's going to be a good episode. So Roma, the critical consensus is that it is stunningly personal and a mesmerizingly beautiful masterpiece. Those are just nice. some tidbits of words that have been we, thrown out. We wrote the review for this after just seeing the trailer. We said those things last week. Yep. Yeah. And there it is. <laughs> and there it is. And, uh, and uh, well, there it is. <laughs> Life finds a way. Alrighty. Well, let's go ahead and get to the last piece of news, which is that Ryan Johnson director of the best Star Wars film? Question mark? Shots fired. Is directing a new film with Daniel Craig called Knives Out, which is based on a contemporary version of the locked door mansion murder mystery that Agatha Christie originally wrote. He's going to shoot it this fall since Bond 25 has been delayed um, as he is working on the new trilogy that he's making for Lucasfilm and Star Wars. Can we so, also get Ryan Johnson to go back and make Murder on the Orient Express instead of Kenneth Branagh? Ooh. Can we go back and get Ryan Johnson to make everything? No. <laughs> Disagree. Ryan, Ryan Johnson directs Uncle Drew. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be. It'd be so good. Oh. Oh. I just, I imagine it and I get <laughs> I feel so good with Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing somebody. Oh, playing man. Kyrie Irving. I'm the dude playing the dude playing the <laughs> other. Disguised as another dude. Um, this is a weird episode. This is a weird episode. I don't know if there's much to talk about about this. It was more just I'm so excited that Ryan Johnson is doing another movie because he's the greatest. 
I think he needs to take a step away from the Star Wars fandom. So yeah. good for him. I think yeah, this is a I, yeah, smart it's, move. It's, he's been in the sci-fi world for a while now, so um, it's good to step out into something very different. My also, only worry the, would be that the Colin. Well, I, no, he's a much better director than Colin Trevorrow. I was going to say the Colin Trevorrow thing happens, and then he gets kicked off of his movie, an old Book of Henry situation, if you will. Uh, I don't. You don't he's give too the guy good to let that happen. You don't give the guy the trilogy unless he's already plotted something out for you. He had nothing. They just loved working with him so much and really loved The Last Jedi. And that's what's taking so long is that he's having to fully flesh out a whole new trilogy from, like, ground zero. Okay. But to me, that just says how great of a guy Ryan Johnson is um, creatively and probably personally, that he's that they just love him so much that they're like, look, here's money, go. So let's get to our review of Searching. All right, so Trevor and I saw the film Searching this week. It is directed by Anish Chaganti. I think I'm saying that right. Um, And this is a super interesting movie about a father searching for his missing high school-aged daughter, but it takes place basically 100% in his technological world, in his phone, in his computer, his daughter's computer, um, and it's it's basically the best episode of Catfish ever. And so, <laughs> yeah, uh, that basically kind of sums it up. So we're just going to hop right into it. We're going to give our quick general thoughts, and then we're going to move into spoilers. So, Trevor, quick general thoughts. What did you think about this movie? Yeah, this movie was great. It's very it's very original. I know that the, the found footage thing has kind of become a gimmick. Um, I guess it, I, Cloverfield is really where I can think of it starting, at least in the mainstream. Um, which I love Cloverfield. I know a lot of people don't, um, but this is kind of a different kind of thing on the found footage being all on the computer screen. It does a great job. I think of summarizing just kind of the online life of even the typical American, not someone who's even incredibly plugged in or anything. It's incredibly well acted by the great John Cho. I, like you said, one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood, he consistently turns in good performances. He's just so likable too. Yeah. Um and and this is it's it's just interesting. It's it's told in a great way. This is Anish Giganti's first feature length film and I almost, I want to go back and watch all of his shorts now because the way that he crafts this story in such a unique way is is very interesting. I really enjoyed this movie. Awesome. Yeah, I mean my joke of best episode of catfish ever. I mean it's it's a joke but it also is I think a good way to describe the um it, this movie proves that like a good quote computer screen movie can exist. Um, movies like this have already been made in terms of like the it takes place only on a computer screen and it's a horror movie and instant message is gonna kill you. Um, but it, it's it's never been done like this with like a serious plot and an actual human story and it and it's told in a way it's told through the way that we live our lives currently and in itself is a wake up call. Um, I, I just kept finding myself being like, you know, this, this is like what a normal person would do by doing all of these things online and through text messages and everything. But he's just like been in his room on his computer. He's not like out in the world searching for his daughter, which was super, super interesting to me. Um, overall, this movie super surprised me. I think it, it's safe to say 
this is probably my second most surprising movie of the summer. Um, as we had our uh-huh. summer movie discussion earlier, I I love this movie, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. There's definitely a few little little issues, as as every movie has. Um, but overall, I mean, for for what it's, this is and what I kind of walked in expecting this to be, I was blown away. It's it's weirdly engrossing for most of it being something that's awful, which is watching someone else use a computer. Yeah. Right. That's generally a really annoying, frustrating thing, but this is, it just, it, I think the authenticity of how it feels like starting off with the family computer, with the windows XP Mm. and just like the way that it does everything. it, It really felt authentic to the way that I've used computers in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's what really kind of brought me into it. And and like one of my least favorite tropes in movies is the the searching for files scenes that happen in like every thriller. It's it's cheap, it's boring. It doesn't really advance the character at all. It's just kind of like a device to give the audience information that they need for the next scene that's happening. And that's like weirdly basically all this movie is, but it totally works. <laughs> like it totally works. Um, I think the most impressive thing about this film is the timing of the mouse movements. Yes. It's so human. That's what makes it work. (laughs) It's, and this is something we'll, we'll talk about later, but um, for a a, a movie that takes place 100% in a computer, it's incredibly human. Uh, We've already talked about John Cho's performance is just what holds the movie together. Um, Yeah. I mean, overall, I love this movie. I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, any other general thoughts before we get on to kind of spoilery stuff? Oh, yeah. I, my other general thought was just, um, I guess this is a little specific, but, but the way the score pushes the story along is really impressive. Um, and also, this, this film u- utilizes silence incredibly effectively as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. Cool. Well, we're going to get into spoilers. Um, as you can tell, we, we super loved this movie. If, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's in wide release, or I guess like a medium release um, right now. So if, if you... It's in it's in Waco, so... So it must be in wide release. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it wasn't in every AMC around me. I had to drive a little bit further to find this one, but um, it should be playing somewhere near you. So definitely check it out while it's in theaters. Um, fortunately, this is a movie that even if you don't see it in theaters, it, it's not one of those things that I think you're going to really miss out on when, with the home experience, but, um, yeah, see, always see a movie in theaters if you can. So searching, check it out. Let's get into spoilers. Um, man, this movie, <laughs> I guess we'll just start with, um, the, the opening, uh, that intro scene is the 21st century Oof. version of up. I that's mean, exactly what I was thinking. Holy cow. It that, was that. Oh, that was a, a stab in the heart. That was oh like my goodness. Up meets a Google commercial. It, it, really, it really was. It was. It was like a 12 minute Google commercial. It was so good. Ugh, yeah. So good. That's what I, I mean, that's what I think. I, I kind of think it's, this is like a distinctly 21st century movie. Absolutely. Like, like the way that it's, the story is told the way that it's framed everything like, I mean, I don't know, even 15 or maybe even five or 10 years ago, but definitely not 20 years ago. Like who could have pictured this being a movie? 
Well, you know, like like a movie being this structured in this way. So I was thinking about this on my way home from the theater because I, I just saw it today. Um, this is the 21st century version of Hitchcock's Rear Window. Yeah, it is. And All so, the searching is happening on the computer, but yeah. it's the same thing. And so I de- that that's what this that's why this film works. And in terms of like the technical side and like where it takes place of of technology, I totally agree with you. This film wouldn't work five years ago, ten years ago, because our our world today is so just tech centric. But and it's also kind of future facing as well. I think mm-hmm. that people don't FaceTime this much, but they will. <laughs> yes, they there was a, a little bit too much FaceTiming. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's a movie, so you have to have the characters interacting at least a little <laughs> bit. Um, but this is just a very human story. Th- th- that's why this thing works is it's just everything that takes place in the computer could have taken place outside of the computer and it still would have been just mm-hmm. as effective in moving the story forward. But the fact that it takes places takes place in the computer opens up this new world that's kind of been untapped in cinema like this, but also it opens up a lot of different conversations uh, about tech use, um, our culture as a whole with, with it being so tech centric and that stuff that we'll, we'll get on, we'll get to later. But let's talk about like the the technical side of this movie because it is just so so interesting. What did you think about uh, the animations, the cinematography, and it actually taking place in uh, in a computer? Like the art the art decoration or the the <laughs> art department of the computer, right? These the computers look. I mean, I don't know to what extent they used actual computers. To what extent this is completely. Um, kind of free animation instead of you know screen recording or something mm-hmm. but it f- it felt incredibly real it looked real um so it, this i, I did, it's, it's really impressive it yeah it is i did some research on it when i got home just because i was i was like how the heck did they do this um so from the technical side of this film they shot the whole thing in 13 days and everything else was done in, in prep and post obviously um but they they hired the editors and animators about seven weeks before they were shooting and they animated everything beforehand and it was it was to give john actual eyeline to work with on the screen and so that's why it feels Uh so natural is it's like they take they shot everything on gopros all the facetime stuff is gopro Um, oh yeah and so it has that like real authentic look of it being like a webcam, but like a higher quality webcam and his eye line uh-huh. is totally working with what's happening like on the rest of the screen. And so yeah. um, also everything like visually has such meaning and weight to it. Like kind of how you said, like the film opens with just that windows classic backdrop and you just like immediately have just like a, yeah, we're in the <laughs> early two thousands, you know, just like a immediate, just like, I, I know where we are and when we are and like emotionally what's happening. And then also like the, <laughs> the comparison between like a, a cluttered desktop or a clean desktop or like the folder structure. Those are, those are character traits that we're seeing. That's, uh-huh. that's like the uh-huh. character's wardrobe department almost. Um, yeah. And so just like technically this film is so like sparse compared to other films, but just so like head and shoulders above other films and just like the nuances. And what an interesting challenge from a cinematography standpoint yeah. to, 
to shoot with i mean and i don't know to what extent they they use different i mean you, t- you talked about gopros but i mean they're shooting things from weird angles with weird aspect ratios mm-hmm. um in intentionally poor lighting situations mm-hmm. but the it there is never a part of this in which the visuals take away from anything that's happening. Yeah. It is all adding to the story. Everything that you see is adding to what's happening. Can we just give a round of applause for cell phone footage actually looking like cell phone footage? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Like, right. That's one of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves is like, this is an Alexa. This, <laughs> this wasn't a cell phone footage. This was a $45,000 camera run through a, a preset. And it's like, tack sharp depth of field and dynamic uh-huh. range like the opening of um justice league that stupid <laughs> henry cavill mustache thing of him talking and it's just like <laughs> what what camera phone shot this um you know so way to go iphone x yeah <laughs> way to go way to have cell phone footage you actually look like cell phone footage do you have any do you have any thoughts any notes that you want to hit real quick i mean uh, i think you kind of talked about this with with the the look that we get from each character's device describing the, something about themselves and i think for a movie in which which is i mean has a different structure and a feel than anything else these these characters are really full mm-hmm. um in the found footage movies that i've seen the characters are just archetypes or stereotypes or silhouettes of people um I think that Cloverfield kind of gets a pass on that because it's in it's in live time, um, but but for other things, even Chronicle, which I which I like, and I'm going to talk about again later, it's it feels that way a little bit too, where a found footage film ends up being so much about the action because you have to justify why why that footage exists. Right. So you know, like found footage doesn't happen when our most intense character moments. It happens when we're walking by a building and we're on a security camera. Yeah. But, but the way this film uses, um, honestly, John Cho's face to show his character and the way that it uses, um, Margot's different online platforms to flesh out her character for, for a, a character that we never see actively, or we almost never see actively on screen. Mm-hmm. She's a full character that we that we completely understand and empathize with. Yeah. And I just think that like I said, Anish Chaganti just it seems like he has a knack for storytelling. Like if you can make this movie into something good and coherent, I think that you can tell a story just about any way you want to. Absolutely. I I big props to him. I mean this this is something that could have very easily gone off the rails at any moment. And, uh, you know, he really just guided this in the right direction. And um, especially, like, he does a really good job of kind of distracting you from what's actually happening and kind of sending you down this little trail and then uh, revealing, like, oh, wait, no, actually, it's over here. Oh, wait, no, it's actually right. over here. And, and he uses he uses John Cho to do that. He's yes. taking you all over the place. Yes, absolutely. What do you think about um, Deborah Messing and her performance as Detective Vic? Um, I thought she was very good. I don't. I don't think I've seen Deborah Messing as anything besides Grace, in <laughs> um, Will and Grace, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought she was very good. She she had that kind of um, that no nonsense, serious kind of thing we're used to from like SVU and that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this this movie weirdly occupies the space between SVU and Catfish, wherever that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought she was very good. I thought, I mean, the twist. Are we gonna? I guess we can get into the twist. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so something seemed not right, but I didn't know that that was it. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think she sold me for the most part. Yeah, I I, I could kind of tell there was something up with her kid. Like maybe she. Like gone baby gone Tim or something, <laughs> but um, but I didn't think that it was to this extent. I absolutely agree. I I towards the end, you know, with the confession and the suicide and everything, um, it felt too clean after everything we just gone through, and it, it yeah, felt and the way that she talked about it too. Just yeah, didn't feel it, right. It, like you said, that's a perfect. It just didn't feel right, and as the viewer. Um, I was a little worried that this film wouldn't be able to tie up all the loose ends or it, it wouldn't be able to land the plane because it had been doing so well until then. But the twist of uh, Detective Vic's son having the crush on Margot and being fish and chips, catfish, what's up? And uh, ac- accidentally, like, supposedly killing Margot. Uh, but then, oh, big reveal, Margot's alive. And, um, yeah, I mean, Detective Vic, her her strength became her weakness, you know? And and her character development, when we were first introduced to her, John Cho Googles her, as one would do, and her, uh-huh. her like, awards come up, her Facebook page where her banner is, there's nothing like the love of a mother for her child. It's uh-huh. supposed to instill hope in you as this detective that's going to find this kid. But what happens when the detective's kid is the one that killed your kid? <gasps> Cover up. You know, it's right. uh, also, I love, I love the way that he command clicks his Google results to get tabs because dude, that's exactly what I do. That's my, f- I have so many tabs that's, open. That's how you use Google. Yes, thank you, John Cho. You don't click them individually. No. You pick out all the th- good things and then you read them all. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That I, the twist was, great and then the the reveal at the end of what actually happened um a little too murder on the orient express for me i've just kind of like well this is how it happened you know um but uh-huh. the the twist was it, it earned it i think that's that's the best thing you can say about a twist is that it, it was earned and it worked in the story and it works because i think that if you were given more time to think about this you might be able to get there mm-hmm. but this you get these these moments of suspense that just pull you in and you can't think about anything else. Oh yeah. Like when he's had the argument with his brother oh and gosh. she calls and you're like you're like answer the damn phone. Like what what's going on? Like what's is he going to see the phone? Is he going to mi- see his missed call ever? Where is his phone at right now? I don't even know where it is. And as like John Cho and, is like realizing that it could be the brother and we're realizing it with him. You're just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, but then you're like, you're like, no way. Brother's too cool and too dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this movie, this movie. Okay. How does this make you analyze your own internet habits? Because like, I kind of want to just move into a cabin of the woods and my children are never going online. Like that's, that's what I've decided. Yeah. I think that this, this was a, I don't even know if it was intended this way, but this works as like a real, a really subtle criticism of internet culture. Oh, I wouldn't say it was subtle at all. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I th- I think the criticism part is subtle. Yeah. I, I don't think that it, I, I, I think that 
I, I don't know. It didn't feel like as heavy handed as, as a lot of things do in film. There but, are a few um, moments that almost lean into like almost satire uh, of like the internet culture behind Margot going missing of people exploiting it for their own oh, personal yeah. gain. I had, I had a hard time stifling my laughter at some of the troll comments because it just like, it's just so real. Oh yeah. And, and like the, it's just, the high school girl be like crying a YouTube vlog. Yeah. Like that is, yeah, that like she was my best friend. Yeah. That stuff happens. Yeah. And it, it felt so real. Um, it, I was just like the whole time just thinking of like how we leave like digital breadcrumbs everywhere we go. And like, if someone gets one password, they can access your entire life. Like your, your, your secrets aren't safe and therefore like neither are you. Like that was just what was going through my brain this whole time. Uh-huh. And of course, nobody's who they say they are on the internet. Um, man, how, how does this make you feel as like, as a culture, like what, what the internet can provide and take away? Man, I, I didn't know a couple of these things existed. So what's the the you cast? Is that the thing where you just talk? What's that? What was that called? Something yeah, like that? I don't think any of those Is things that a real were thing? brand name, but there are like Twitch, like streaming stuff, and right, right, yeah, I do know, I know about Twitch. I don't know why that exists, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing, but because it it almost makes the argument that like these things are bad, but because they got her into this, but they also saved her. So it's this, yeah. It's this interesting take on tech. I think, like, without the tech, if she had just been at the lake, and this happened, like, there would be no solving the case. Right, right. So, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. I think I need to like ponder more on this. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I would I was only looking at the negative side. I wasn't even really thinking about how the tech saved her because also the tech kind of killed her in a way, even though she didn't die. But like it it was both her, her savior and like what put her in the problem in the first place. Interesting. Interesting. Well, what do you like? Let's go further into the, the internet culture world. Uh, we, we kind of briefly talked about it, but like internet mob justice, people profiting on tragedy, Any, oh, yeah. any of that? Like, what what were your those thoughts people, on that? Those people are all awful. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, just, like, the idea of just, like, feeling the need to watch a news story on YouTube and post a comment that says, like, let's be honest, we know the dad did it. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I don't... What, what is... I don't understand. I think, like, even today on Twitter, it was trending that, like, people are burning their Nikes because of the Colin Kaepernick just yeah. do it thing. And I'm just like, wherever you fall politically, Nike has your money. Like, why are you burning <laughs> your shoes? Like, it's just this this internet mob retali- retaliation thing. And, pe- and, and people and are... People, Go ahead. So people think that because they have a platform, they also have an audience. Yes. And those are two different things. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, I think it like also points like what you just said kind of goes into the next point. I think the film is trying to make is like the lack, but also overload of connection that we have right now. Just like people are more connected and more lonely than ever. She's got 75 different social media networks 
but she just she has no friends you know right um i think i didn't get to see eighth grade i i really am mad i missed it in the theater um but i i think that i mean you can allude to this more but i think the eighth grade kind of touches on that a little bit yeah yeah it has some of the some of those kind of elements definitely yeah um one one other thing i wanted to talk about is uh stock photo models what is, <laughs> what is wrong with you i that is a that's just that's something to me that's just like crazy of just like here's this picture of me do whatever you want with it i don't know this is this is a very yeah. specific rant because i work in the world of media and photography and i license stock footage sometimes for my edits and i'm always just amazed of just like I can download this footage and I can do anything I want with it. And these people are just kind of like making a career out of selling their identity visually for money. And you can be associated with anything. It's just so, I think, I feel like the stock photo model is a like weird encompassing or like personification of so much of what's happening in culture right now. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know. It makes me think of Blade Runner, like that kind of world, that Mm. kind of culture. Okay. Of just this, like, is this like soullessness to everything? Just when something can be, you know, when something visually, aesthetically pleasing can then be just taken freely by someone who didn't create it and doing anything they want to so many different times, so many different ways. It's, It's kind of, I don't know it's it's a weird it's a weird thing when that thank you for the uploading thing came up with her picture did you recognize who she was immediately i did what, I was, did. what was going through your mind when you said i but i didn't know what was going on my first thing was like <laughs> does she work for the does she work for the memorial service also is this just like, a big con on? by memorial one to get them <laughs> I, I I thought that for a half second. I was like, I was like, is the memorial service company killing kids? Because that's not the worst movie plot. I've because ever subscribership heard. is down, and you know, there's only three movies a month now. And <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, I dismissed that three seconds later, but that was one of the first things I thought of. Yeah, yeah. No, when that happened, I was like, oh, stock photo. <laughs> um. Okay. Last question. Last question. As a parent, especially as a parent of a daughter, what goes through your mind when you see this movie? Man, this is, it's kind of an interesting thing along those lines because at the end, it turns out like he's done this great job of raising this kid. He just doesn't talk to her quite enough Mm. and know what to know what's going on. Like, Mm. like this girl is in this issue is in this problem because she is a great person and has a huge heart. Um, and, and I think as a parent, I mean, I, I think it's, there's a couple things that, that I took from this. One is that you never quite know how your kids turn out until you see them in action and let them make their own choices. Um, but the other side is just to be very careful about when you talk to your kids and when you don't talk to your kids and don't assume that because they're not talking, that doesn't mean they don't want to. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of what I took away from it. I think that you spend most of this time where John Cho feels like he's this awful parent. He started, he's like the more and more he realizes what he doesn't know, he feels like an awful parent, but it turns out that this girl's character is, is fantastic. And that's really what got her into this issue. She's just kind of lonely because 
her dad ignores the most important thing that's going on in her brain. Yeah. Yeah, as as the parent of a dog, I really <laughs> um no, I think that's really well said. Like I and I think that's what that's kind of a point that this movie makes. It's just like you can raise the best kid in the world, but stuff can still happen out of your control. Um especially if you are absent. And uh yeah, I mean it it, it is it is tough because it's like, like you said, you expect this to happen with a a problem child, you know, like, um, like in Three Billboards, you know, like that. That's she's kind of a problem child in a problem family, and it, uh-huh. this is like she's she's the perfect little girl, um, and he did a great job raising her. She just uh, hasn't been talking very much to her dad and has been talking to the wrong people online. So, you know. I think we're just going to leave it here on this really down note. And, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think it's an important message and one that is handled very well while also being very entertaining and showing a lot of the pros and cons of internet usage and uh, also does it in a way that's just kind of amazingly good. Yeah, I agree. So Trevor, any other, any other thoughts? No, I mean, I, I like this movie. This is a good movie. What's your um, what's your rating? Uh I'm gonna give this uh twenty two hundred dollars out of twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> so kind of in that uh B plus range. Just just a good movie. Yeah. Um an interesting thing that it could have been you know, it's a it's about as good as it could have been, which is a, a compliment in my eyes for, for what this movie is and was mm. trying to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Um this movie like topic wise is right up my alley. I love like the the collision of technology and culture and kind of where we are right now as a society. Um, I think it's it's a super interesting topic and um, one that I really love reading and and learning about. Um, and I think this film does a really good job of addressing addressing that and a lot of other issues uh, while being very entertaining and kind of groundbreaking in the filmmaking world. Um, there's definitely a few little like plot hole technical issues. But overall, this movie was uh, a lot of fun. Well, I don't know if fun's the right word. Um, but just really intriguing, good. Intriguing, engrossing. Yeah, really, really good. Really intriguing, very entertaining. Um, this isn't this is an A for me. I think this is probably top five movies I've seen this year, honestly. Oh, wow. Um, I've, I've missed a lot of movies this year. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was very surprised by this movie. So, for for right now, it's an A. Might go down to an A-, minus, but right now I'm pretty hot on it. So, it's an A for me. Definitely go check out this movie while you can. All right. We're going to get Cam back on and hit you with our content of the week. That's all we have for our review of Searching. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? My content of the week, if you're really digging this uh, found footage feel... Which this is not quite found footage, I guess, but kind of similar. Yeah. Um, you should check out uh, Chronicle, which is one of my favorite found footage films. Um, it is just uh, kind of a lot of fun and weird and moody and really interesting. Um, it, it answers the question, what if a bunch of angry 16-year-olds got superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> I love and, that question. <laughs> and honorable mensch, Michael B. Jordan. That's right. Okay, wait, never mind. I was going to... 
Guys, Michael B. Jordan was in a movie that came out this weekend that none of us knew about. Let me just throw that out there. Wait, what was Frustrated. It? It's a movie called Ken. Wait, he, he oh, said that? I knew about that. I know the cinematographer on that. Really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know he was in that. It didn't look very good. It's not very good, supposedly, but he is supposedly in it, and they kept it a secret all this time. Huh. And I'm very oh. frustrated because if Bad I had a marketing decision, I would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I had known, guess where we would have been seeing this weekend for sure. Right. I've heard what? P- filmmakers that I know and respect have said good things about it. So hmm. maybe give it a chance. Why? I'm, I'm, Why it's do got you Jack do Rainer, that? And I like Jack Rayner quite a bit. But it also has James Franco, and I don't like James Franco quite a bit. <laughs> so. What a what a strange career. We're really getting off the rails here, but what a strange career he's yeah. had. Strange career. All right, Jake, what's uh, your content of the week? Uh, I got two things. Um, if you like the kind of like weird internet culture style uh, that this film touches on, there's a documentary on HBO that will kind of melt your brain. Uh, it's called Tickled. Oh, and <laughs> oh my goodness. It is the weirdest, but also like one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And it's about this like weird, kind of homoerotic internet tickling endurance competition. And that's really all I'm going to say. It took 66 episodes it. and we finally talked about Tickled. You gotta, you gotta see it. Um, highly recommend it. And then also... Uh, my other recommend is we've talked about hot ones a lot on this show beforehand. Uh, well, Jeff Goldblum, the Goldblum, oh. was on oh. an episode this past week, and oh it was incredible. He's the man. Hi- would highly recommend it. Very entertaining. Uh, yes. And yeah, you know, well, yeah, there it is. So is he is he playing the only character he plays himself? Oh, he's the most <laughs> Jeff Goldblum I've ever seen. Jeff Goldblum. Yes, I would love I like it, it if like the public personality of what Jeff Goldblum is is a character and like outside of that he's just this completely like normal guy. But whenever he's like, he's, a like crotchety old man. <laughs> <laughs> he watches like he watches every version of NCIS religiously. Yes. He loves CBS dramas. He's loving the new Jack Ryan. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, that's my um, an anti-recommend. New Jack Ryan. Don't waste your time. How many uh, episodes did you make it in, Jake? One. I watched one episode, but it's just I've so gotta, like it's just I've so like not. It's like so not aware of what's happening in the world right now. It, it feels like six years too late, you know. Yeah, it feels like um, so 1999, uh, 19 years too late. Well, it like, just it was, just feels like. Like 24, you know, in like the year 2005 when we were like still in the heat of the Iraq war and stuff. It was like, oh, yeah, this is relevant. It's like, really? Like capturing and beating up Muslims as you hold a baseball and recite the Pledge of Allegiance? Like, isn't this this a little too, like, I don't know. Not to get get political. There's just, it's so heavy handed. There's no, there's no substance. There's no nuance. Um, John Krasinski's good, as good as he can be. But yeah, don't watch Jack Ryan. It's, it's your, your mom's gonna watch it, and she's gonna watch CBS and Fox News, and she'll tell you all about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I think my wife and I made it four episodes in, uh, and it's just, it's weird. It, there's so many things going on that have like 
it's just a mess. And, and I it's really just wish... so stereotypical. Like, yeah. it feels like a script that I would have written as, like, a parody. Yeah. It's it's also frustrating because I'm like, how much time did John Krasinski waste on this when he could have been getting his next directorial film up and running? Like, right. Yeah. Um, so that's that. I wasn't able to see Searching, but based on what I know of it about high school and about crime... There's a film about... You nailed it. I nailed it, didn't I? Um, There's a film called Brick, directed by Ryan Johnson, who we talked about earlier on this podcast. Uh, And it's his directorial debut. It was kind of the film that uh, turned some things around for Joseph Gordon-Levitt, acting-wise. And it is now on Netflix, and it's one of the best noir films I've ever seen. Uh, It's one of my favorite films, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, So Brick on Netflix now. Uh, That's all we have for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a new episode and a review of something new. I don't know what that something new is going to be because I don't want to see The Nun or Peppermint. And those are (laughs) the only two movies coming out next week. I was looking to see. I was like, what's showing on IMAX so I can use my A-list to go see it? And it's The Nun. I don't want to see that twice as big as normal. I want to see it regular size. I don't want to see it on an iPhone through a hoodie as I'm terrified by myself anywhere. Uh, It doesn't sound... No, 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 no. Um, So I guess our next 2018 film we'll be reviewing is The Predator on September 14th. But we'll figure out something for next week. I don't know. Maybe we do another catch-up. Predator is going to be an IMAX, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So if you've enjoyed listening to us, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, and go and share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at popcornoptional.com where you can find all of our episodes. If you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Popcorn Optional or like us on Facebook at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That's both my Instagram and my website. Trevor? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TurboTrevor. Until next time, we hope you all have a great week. Watch some movies, and in the words of Michael Scott, we'll be back ASAP as possible. Bye. I'll be good. Bye.